The following program is brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, and the views and opinions may not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this station. Today on the Travel Guys. Boeing wants to bring back the Concorde supersonic flights, and Marriott says you have to combine your frequent guest programs. It won't happen automatically. Details on those headlines and more next in the Travel News. On every show, we set aside some time to make you a smarter traveler, and today at 3.20, we talk about traveling with electronics and give you a few tips to prevent a meltdown. Chris Elliott is one of our favorite guests, in part because he always has an informed travel opinion. At 3.30, Chris, Tom, and I discuss hotel fees. You know, the ones that have spread to many cities across our land. The ones I despise. Worth being here for right after the news. New York City is a favorite destination for Californians and the many historic attractions like the Statue of Liberty and the lights of Broadway. Well, there are lots of reasons to go. And at 350, Mark's going to give us some do's and don'ts for the Big Apple. The air in Sacramento is heavy with the smoke of a distant fire. Our concerns for our neighbors in and around Reading is great. In the middle of all that, we are here to provide a break. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again Tom Romano and Mark Hoffman with you. We are the Travel Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. If I sound a little stuffed up and a little congested, well, you know, I am one of those sensitive area people uh-huh. that suffers a little more than uh, some of you healthy nuts like you, Mark, I see. when when uh, we got all that smoke in the air. So uh, you're so stuffed with smoke. Trying to stay in, you know. All I can tell folks is uh, it, heed the advice when it says that it's unhealthy for sensitive groups you know what, you're better off to stay where the air is filtered a little bit more. May not notice it right away, you know. Yeah. But certainly, I use it as an excuse to not have to go out and do yard work. <laughs> <laughs> well, my throat was bugging me yesterday, mm-hmm. but today it, it's not. And the, it looks as though the sun is kind of trying to peek through. I see some shadows around town instead of just this kind of Pacific Northwest gloom um, that, that like they have up there most of the winter time. You know, when it's not raining, it kind of feels like that here. It's, it's kind of a strange sort of feeling. Today's the last day of the state fair. It is, yes. Last chance to go out and... Uh, and, and last chance to go out and see my pigeon. <laughs> over at pigeon. Fur and Feathers. It's a, that's a long story. We won't bore people <laughs> no, with that. Not. Thank goodness. But one thing about the uh, the overcast and the, or the, the smoke in the air is it actually has brought the temperature down. Yes, it in, has. Instead of being like 101, 102, mm-hmm. we probably heard that in our news here on KFBK. It, it's, it's like 99. Yeah. So, well, but it, it, it definitely warmed up slower is yeah. that a, if that's a, a, a thing you know yeah. so I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't 90 degrees at 10 o'clock this morning 
So like it has been some days. So I guess that's a a, a, a terrible silver lining in a cloud that is really uh, messing with a lot of people's it, lives. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, uh, you just came back from Seattle now. Yeah. Uh, uh, no fires up there as far as I know. No, nothing up in the Pacific Northwest right now. They had some bad fires up there last year and Montana seems to be escaping so far. Of course, that can change, you know, with one one little spark. Seattle sure has become a world-class city. I suppose some people would argue that it always was, but uh, if it was, it was a sleepy world-class city. And in the last 20 years, especially in the last five, six years, Delta Airlines now has a lot of international flights that leave from Seattle. They use it as an international hub. Mm -hmm. So you have thousands of people every day, additional people coming in and going out of Seattle, many of whom choose to spend some time in Seattle as part of their vacation to the United States, wherever it is, or maybe Seattle is actually a Pacific Northwest as their destination. It has create, it has turned the traffic into Seattle, which is already not good, into an even worse disaster. We've talked about the hotel rates up in Seattle, Portland area being much higher than they used to be. It's an area that wasn't discovered by people from the East Coast for a lot of years, and now they have, and in addition, our friends from Asia have come in great numbers and are finding it to be to their liking too. So it's Seattle has become a a destination that if you if you love it, you're starting to say, how could I go there when the people aren't there? Yeah. Now, uh, with that being said about the the traffic situation, do you have, do you have a recommendation? Do you, would you advise that you don't rent a car in Seattle and maybe you know take uh, uh, other forms of transportation, Uber, Lyft? Well, uh, you taxis. have you now have transportation from the airport in Seattle. You can get into town without a, a, a car. So there is public transportation. There's light rail now that will take you into Seattle proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, downtown is certainly a very pedestrian friendly area, though, although like San Francisco, it's the side of a hill, although in this case, kind of a hill as opposed to many hills. But still, there's a lot of ups and downs and stuff in Seattle. So if you're a person who has some mobility issues, mm-hmm. then you're not going to go as far as uh, as some people will. I w- Seattle isn't as, as user friendly as downtown Philadelphia or downtown New York. Uh, parking is expensive. Uh, so the, the ferry boats are a great, great way to get around. You know, one thing, Tom, that people probably miss when they go to Seattle, you can ride the ferry boat as a passenger. You can ride it, for example, from Seattle to Bremerton or Bainbridge Island, which are, you know, 35-minute or 50-minute crossings mm-hmm. one way. Get off the boat. You have to get off the boat at the other end. But then you can turn around and get right back on the boat. And passengers in most places in the ferry system up there only pay one direction. You pay a fare and then the other way is, is free. But uh, for a very minimal amount of money, you can enjoy wonderful, spectacular scenery that you couldn't see otherwise. And you can be inside or outside. You could read a good book or, you know, enjoy a glass of wine or, or whatever. So I, the ferry boats really are, and you don't have that luxury in a lot of other places, views of the skyline of Seattle, uh, particularly in the evenings. The only thing I would tell people about ferry boats is if you're up the, in Washington State, you're using the ferry boats to get around. Do mm-hmm. not be on the wrong side of the sound on Sunday afternoon. Because as people start to come back from the tourist areas to the more populated areas, you get caught in that crush. It's not unusual for there to be a three, four, sometimes in the summer, even a five-hour wait. These ferries don't run every 10 minutes. You know, they run every 35 minutes, every 50 minutes, every hour, uh, things like that. They hold a tremendous number of vehicles and people. But 
uh, some if you've got to wait for three ferry boats, you're going to be there for a little while. So if you go up to Puget Sound, my recommendation is stay off of the the west side of the Sound on Sundays. Go over there on a Monday. Um, there you go. Go over there on a Thursday or Friday when everybody else is, is working for a living. But Seattle, really, high... High hotel rates. The Space Needle is under construction. They're redoing it. But now over there at the Space Needle, you have the Chihuly Glass Garden and everything. So there, there's a lot to see and do in Seattle. If you're going up there, don't make the mistake to, to think you're going to see it all in one day. We are the Travel Guys. Tom Romano and Mark Hoffman with you once again. Uh, follow along at TravelGuysRadio.com. We'll have links to a lot of our guests, just about everybody. Uh, on that website, TravelGuysRadio.com. And at the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we do the travel news. Mark, bring us up to date on what the world's going on in the travel news. All righty. We mentioned about the, we have a couple times about the Marriott and Starwood frequent guest programs. Marriott has purchased Starwood. They're going, they are one company now. Their guest, frequent guest programs are about to become one. It will happen on August the 18th. So uh, Marriott has reminded all of its members. I don't know, Tom, you're a Starwood guy. They've probably reminded you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been uh, getting uh, emails and information on a regular that basis. That you have to do this. There is something you have to do yourself in order for your accounts to combine. So if you are, I guess, a member of one or both of those programs, you only if you belong to both, you only have to do it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But make sure that you, that you attend to that. Also, uh, some this is all going to happen on the 18th of August and some very wise travel bloggers have suggested that if you're staying in a Marriott or a Sheraton hotel uh, any time around the middle of the month you might want to ask for a paper receipt just because it's fairly likely they're combining things and those of us who travel have witnessed in the past when systems large companies have been combined that sometimes for a day or two or an hour or three or 15 minutes there's a glitch and not everything works the way it should. So I think the wisdom of getting a receipt, if, if, if we could make our people smarter travelers, <laughs> um, you're staying in a Sheridan or a, or a Marriott property, you usually have them email the receipts to you. Eh, third week of the month, second week of the, of, of the month, ask for a paper receipt just for, for fun for uh, a couple of weeks just to make sure that your points get credited and all of those exciting type things. Uh, some of the airlines are already giving up on the basic economy ticket. They're not giving up on it totally, but American Airlines, for, per se, you know how if you, if you did basic economy, you could only take the clothing on your back right. and a small bag that contains your important medicine, you know, something that would fit under your seat. So now American is saying, well, we're going to let you put stuff in the overhead, too. So apparently the $15, $20 each way that you're saving on basic economy and all the hoops they're making you jump through are it's not, not being as well received by the public as they had hoped. It's just not taking off like they anticipated using an airline. <laughs> yeah, kind of a, a there you go. There. China says four U.S. airlines have missed the deadline to change their naming of Taiwan. You, you may have caught this. It's been kind of flitting around the travel news for the last several months. China does not want Taiwan uh, referred to as a Chinese... Uh, They've asked airlines not to refer to China, to Taiwan as a non-Chinese territory. So, in other words, they want China and Taiwan tied together. This is not necessarily what Taiwan, the way Taiwan wants it worded, but China is a lot bigger than 
Taiwan. So this is the, the big boy here is saying this is the way you should do it. Um, four U.S. airlines have, as of this press release, on the 27th have failed to comply. It's all the big boys, United American, Delta, and Ameri- and Hawaiian Airlines. So uh, as of Thursday, the, the websites for the airlines list only Taipei's airport code, but do not wis- witness uh, reference Taiwan. What's the matter with my uh, talking here this morning? Anyways, <laughs> um, if keep an eye on that. If you're flying to China, you're looking for airfares, on these airlines' websites, it's possible that if they don't fix this, you may not see everything that you're looking for. That would kind of be perhaps the point of bringing that up. Okay, so uh, all right. So what's the name of the airline? That well, the name. What, what do they want to be called? They. It's not the airline. It's the country. Uh, the country, rather. It's it's a whole Taiwan People's Republic of China kind of thing. Okay. Taiwan wants to be separate. China says they're not separate. Okay. So it's a sort of a political thing. It's been going on since you were a little kid, just to give you an idea. All right. All right. Uh, Boeing wants to bring back supersonic travel. New York to London in three and a half hours. Boeing says that they can do it. Um, even the, after the Concorde's economic failings, uh, 15 years after the Concorde last flew, supersonic air travel is back in the aerospace industry sites. Boeing says London to New York in three and a half hours. Heck with that. I'm taking SpaceX. <laughs> I wasn't here last Sunday, but I heard the, I heard the show. And, you did? And yeah. So yes, and we're rocket ships. That's it. 30 yeah. minutes to 30 Australia. 30 minutes to anywhere you want to go. Uh, we are waiting with bated breath on the final update on Southwest flying to Hawaii. We have uh, a little trickle of news this week southwest says there will be no baggage fees which of course would have been expected since that's their policy but some people thought flying a great distance over the water more costs maybe a charge for baggage southwest says maybe not um and no seat assignments some people also thought that perhaps that would be a way for southwest to monetize mm-hmm. their fares so good for them um they're sticking to their guns and they're going to give people a good deal and they are going to impact the fares to hawaii they already have impacted the fares to hawaii uh, other airlines hawaiian and Alaska having sales to sell ahead tickets to get people locked in to having bought tickets from them mm-hmm. for next year. Basically, Hawaii is down to about 400 bucks. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can see a story, um, a sad tourism story, I might suggest to you. Um, a polar bear has been shot dead after it attacked a cruise ship guard uh, up in Norway, uh, in northern Norway, within the Arctic Circle. Um, apparently what happened here is some tourists got off of a cruise ship off of, on a shore excursion, perhaps someplace that they maybe shouldn't have been. And the polar bear saw lunch and, uh, the polar bear went down and boy, I'll tell you what folks online are really not happy about this. If you go to travelguysradio.com, you can see a copy of the story and a picture of the bear. Um, laying there on a beach, and it's really kind of sad. And it points out, um, I'm in the, I'm a tourism professional. I take people to see things like polar bears. Um, you have to go where you're supposed to go. You got to stay out of their habitat and where they live, and you know, go to places where they're frequented by tourists, where the bears know that the tourists are, and the tourists know that the bears are, and there are some protections mm-hmm. to keep those two. And don't cross that line because um, when you do, then something really bad can happen. And in this case, it it cost an animal its life, and that probably is something that didn't have to happen. 
and is kind of a shame and, and gives the whole tourism industry a black eye, and as well it should, um, because that's something that, that shouldn't be going on. Anyways, that is your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys coming up. Uh, we're going to do our best to make you a smarter traveler, particularly when it comes to your electronic devices. Some tips and some advice to keep you from, uh, from a meltdown. That's next here on the Travel Guys. Yes, we're back. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. The Travel Guys, again, follow along at TravelGuysRadio.com. And uh, as always, we are underwritten by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark, we promised folks to make them a smarter traveler, particularly when it comes to their electronic advice devices. So what do you, what do you got for Well, it? people travel now with a host of, you know, none of us steps out of our house without uh, our our phone, and when we travel, we've got our phone and probably our iPad. Some people have two phones, a business and a personal phone. That's an increasing thing now. Yeah, and, and if, we, if we do, then we panic. Yes, and then, exactly. And we're running back to go get them. Um, your, your reading device, your Kindle or whatever it is that you've got your book on the airplane for, probably a laptop. Um, so many of us, the kids have got devices and stuff. So uh, we're probably traveling with an average of two or three devices per person. And a lot of t- if, if we lose them or they break then in some cases we're like, you know, cowering in a corner. We're like, what what can we possibly do? So yeah, we've become very dependent upon that sort of stuff. We have a few tips here for folks who might, first of all, if you have a phone, get a case. And second of all, if you have a case, get a case that is resistant to shock, that's shock resistant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that when you drop your phone, it will survive. This will cost you more than the 995 or the 1995 case that you are told is shock resistant. Go to a real store, get a real case that's really shock resistant, um, because that's the first thing that you right. can do. And the and the and uh, you know the case is one part, but you also uh, you know and and I have one that's wasn't that expensive. It's the it's the uh, hard plastic piece that goes over the screen. Uh-huh. And uh, in fact, if you look real close at mine, you can you can see the little cracked lines. Right. Well, it looks like the screen's cracked, but it's not. It's just the the cover. And had I not had that cover on, those little cracked lines there would be the would be the screen. So make sure you got a screen protector there. Well, and you want uh, one that comes with a screen protector, as mm-hmm. Tom is saying, and drop protecting technology that absorbs shock, because that's what's going to happen a lot when you're taking. And the other thing is, and when you tra- what is it with people when they travel? I don't know if this is going on in the ladies' room or not, but I know it's going on in the men's room. Um, people now are using the opportunity to be in the restroom when they're not quite as busy to be able to catch up on their reading or, heavens forbid, their phone calls. I mean, how mm-hmm. often are you in the restroom at the airport and the phone rings and, of course, somebody answers it or you go into a stall and somebody's having a conversation, which I personally think is kind of disgusting. It but, is. Yeah, but I agree. Um, obviously, a lot of folks do it. And what that does is it tremendously increases the possibility. There are a lot of places with water in them 
in bathrooms. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of places in hotels. You're not used to the layout of your hotel. So you set your phone on the edge of the sink or something, and you knock it into the sink, you knock it into the toilet, you knock it into the shower. So just keep your phone out of the bathroom, period, when you're traveling. That's two-thirds of the problems. Good advice. Come there. Keep your phone out of the bathroom. Make sure you have a case that will be, that will absorb the the shocks from it. Um, two-thirds of us have damaged an electronic device in the last three years. So that tells you that everybody, um, insurance is a great idea, but insurance isn't going to help you when you're on the road and you're checking into a hotel and now tomorrow morning you have a meeting or something like that and you have, be careful about checking your bags with your electronics in them. Bring them in your carry-on baggage. Now this may mean at, 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 at when you're going through security that you have to take them out uh, because TSA has asking people to take those out of their bags now, laptops and things like that. So it's going to take you a little extra time. But a damage of a computer that's put in a car in a bag that's checked on an mm -hmm. airplane, the chances of damage are really, really, um, are quite high. You know, uh, computers have. I'm not a, a a technology guy with a computer, but um, they have uh, little, very, very tiny. Microchips. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm looking for something on other here on my press release that says, but basically there are tiny parts of the computer that can become, the calibration can become impacted when it takes a big jolt, and that can happen when you check it on an airplane. So uh, be careful. Keep your computer in your possession or keep it in a case that pads it. Again, shock absorbent. Carry it in your carry-ons. It will definitely help you. Anything else that you'd like to add there, Mr. Romano? Well, no, I think number one, true, a lot of people will take their laptops or their computers. Do not ever put them on your checked luggage. Carry them with you and they'll they'll stay safe. Uh, also, make sure that you bring uh, plenty of extra charge devices with you because you can be sure you'll lose at least one somewhere along the way. And be careful about temperatures. If you're going to Las Vegas or Phoenix or someplace that has really high or in the wintertime really low temperatures, uh, you want to be aware of all of that situation too. And once again, inside the cabin with you is a lot better than, and oh my goodness, you have to check it at the last minute or you decide to let the airline check it for you and that could be a problem. All right, uh, that will make you a little smarter traveler, hopefully when you are traveling. With your devices. Coming up next, Christopher Elliott is going to join us. We're going to talk about resort fees next here on The Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome. You found the Travel Guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And again, follow along with all we talk about by going to TravelGuysRadio.com. We'll have links to just about everything, including our next guest. Been a while, Chris Elliott. Thanks for joining us here on the Travel Guys. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, Christopher, I've asked to see the doctor today, the doctor of travel advocacy, because I've been inflicted with this terrible thing that's happening to me every time I go on the road and go to a hotel. It's called the Facility Destination Resort Grab Your Ankles Fee. And they're getting worse, Chris. They're, they're spreading to almost every major city in the country, and they're going up and up and up. A San Francisco one yesterday quoted a $44 
destination fee for a San Francisco hotel. And I just, I suspect you don't have any good news, but I felt like I needed a little therapy. So I'm just going to lay down on the couch here and listen to what you have to say. Well, young man, step right into my office and uh, let me see what I can do. Uh, <laughs> I, this, this is uh, one of the most enduring travel problems that I deal with as a consumer advocate. And that is that it's open season on us travelers. Uh, we, we all want a good deal. Hotels know that. And so they are doing something that is unfortunately legal, but is also morally wrong, which is they're quoting you an initial rate for a hotel room. And then as you get further into the booking process, closer to the end, and they say, oh, by the way, did we mention that $40 a night resort fee or facilities fee? And then uh, a lot of times, you know, you and I are invested in that decision. We want to stay at the hotel and we'll say, yeah, well, we'll do it. The twist on this, though, is that now they're starting, they know that we know that there's a resort fee and they're naming it something else. So this facilities fee, in New York, the Marriott hotels are doing this with a very similar sounding. Um, they're also calling it a facilities fee. They uh, they are trying to confuse us because we're all looking for a resort fee, and uh, they're giving us something else, something similar, and uh, you know we're still paying it. So shame on us for doing that. These these fees are with us. I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. They should be illegal. Now, Chris, before the, the, the current administration took office about a year and a half or so ago, it seemed as though perhaps some of the consumer watchdog organizations might have been leaning a little bit towards some some regulation or some some attack on this. But I don't see any of that coming out currently. Is that kind of how you assess the current situation is whatever progress we might have had has been stalled, stopped or set aside? Yeah, unfortunately. What happened was that the Federal Trade Commission, which has oversight over this kind of pricing, it had a, a conference back in 2012 on drip pricing. That's what this is called. It's drip pricing because it, the, the uh, further you get in down, the, down the line in the process of booking something, the more expensive it gets. And uh, they were poised to clamp down on drip pricing, and they were actually going to come after the hotels for doing this, and they were going to say, look, you cannot quote a price that doesn't include all mandatory taxes and fees. Uh, you have to quote it at the beginning. You can't wait until the end to do it. And uh, the hotel industry was ready. Um, they, we, Everyone was prepared for that. New administration comes into town, and they say, oh, we hate regulation, and they uh, decide not to do anything. So uh, as a result, the the hotel operators say, goody, goody, we're going to go now and add more resort fees. So what you've seen is an increase in the number of resort fees and facility fees and other junk fees that are related to this. Um, you had asked me a moment ago what to do about them. There, there really is only one thing that you can do. Um, you cannot argue against them once you've agreed to accept a resort fee. You're kind of stuck with it. But what you can do is you can refuse to do business with a hotel that charges one of these junk fees. And if you do, if not enough people do that, then they're, they'll go away. Chris, let me jump in real quick. Uh, is these, these re- fees that we're talking about here, these resort fees and destination fees, you know, it, it, do you find that if there's a location that you're going to go to, uh, uh, that every hotel in that uh, location is going to have these? Or does it make any sense to 
you know, shop around and see if you can find somebody who has chosen to not go that route, or is it universal? It uh, really depends where you're going. Orlando, Las Vegas, Miami have a lot of resource fees. Uh, in fact, it's really difficult to even find a hotel on the Strip that doesn't charge um, an outrageous resort fee. But, you know, if you if you do a little shopping around, you can find a hotel maybe outside town or in, in a neighboring area that doesn't charge these fees. And uh, and the other thing that you can do is if, you, if you're booking by phone, you can say, hey, is there a way to waive this resort fee? Sometimes if you're a member of the hotel's loyalty program, or if you're with a large corporate group, they will waive the, the fees. So it's worth asking. Chris, why are hotels doing it this way? Why are they pricing this way? Is there a particular advantage that they are gaining on on consumers, or is there an accounting advantage? Is there, there a reason that they are attacking this in this particular fashion? Two reasons. First of all, it pays uh, to quote a low rate because more, you'll get more people who will book the hotel room. And hotels know that it's just human psychology, so they want to be able to quote the lowest possible rate. So they are likely to quote a rate minus mandatory fees, resort fees, junk fees, and minus taxes, and then add those as you uh, go further into the booking process. Um, that is, and, and what they tell me is that we know that this is wrong, but everyone else is doing it. If we don't do it, then no one is going to book our hotel. So that's definitely one reason why they're they're doing this. But there are, there are other reasons why a hotel might. Uh, charge a resort fee, um, and that is that uh, when when a resort fee is done for accounting purposes, it, it actually, uh, in some cases, they're not taxed in the same way that a room rate is. So you might have a, a, an area where a room rate is taxed at a certain rate, but an, an additional fee wouldn't be taxed that way. And so a hotel might charge the resort fee because they want to, um, you know, save on taxes or, or have some kind of an accounting advantage, as you mentioned. Um, and that both of those reasons really make sense from a hotel's perspective. You know, you want to be competitive. You want to get as many guests as possible. You don't want to overpay taxes. But they don't make any sense from our perspective as guests. And in addition, if they've got a third party involved here, an online travel agency, somebody that they're paying a commission to, then that resort fee doesn't fall under that commissionable. So if it's a $30 resort fee, they're paying somebody a 15% commission, that's $4.50, they don't have to pay out. You might think, well, gee, only a few dollars like that doesn't make a difference, but multiply that by hundreds, or in some cases thousands of rooms, and by 365 days, and you can see that the, the pile of, of cash starts to to add up pretty quickly. Christopher Elliott, uh, our special guest, consumer advocate, everything about Chris Elliott, you can find it at TravelGuysRadio.com. Chris, you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you next time here on the Travel Guys, okay? Okay, thanks. Thank you to Chris Elliott for all of that great information about resort fees and yuck. Uh, listen, there were a couple of things, uh, tips that I forgot, Tom, in the previous is that, segment. Is that a technical term, by the way? What's that? Yuck. Yeah, <laughs> that's a radio is that a travel term? term. Yeah, that's a travel term. Mm. Um, uh, we were talking about protecting your electronics. Uh, never put your computer in the trunk. 
of the rental car when you're traveling. Rental cars get broken into a lot, and besides oh that, temperatures you're not used to, humidity, things of that sort. So don't leave your, your electronics inside the car, particularly in the trunk. And when you're going to the beach, make sure that you put all your electronics inside an extra bag because of the sand situation. You know, you think, why would anybody do that? Why would you? But then again, how can you go to the beach or anywhere and not have your phone so that you can take pictures and i was and i was stumbling with the technical term that i was looking for was hard drives have read and write heads that float a few microns above their platters which is where the data is stored Ooh. Does that make me sound yeah. like, yeah, exactly. That's That was the, the phrase I was looking for, why you don't put your bag, let them put it in the baggage compartment, mm-hmm. is because your your hard drives have read and write heads that float a few microns above their platters. And, and you know, I think everybody has looked out the window. You know, you get on the plane and, you're, and you see the the uh, the luggage handlers. I and this is going. Okay, the luggage handlers getting the luggage ready to put on the plane. Uh-huh. And uh, you may even see your own bag. And, uh, you know, uh, handle with care is uh, is not their strong suit. No, it's very, definitely not. No, definitely. just throw it on there. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Next on the Travel Guys, uh, we were talking earlier uh, at the very beginning of the program that Californians particularly find New York City one of their favorite destinations. Mark has visited uh, New York City uh, countless times and has some great advice for all of us when we travel to the Big Apple. That's next here on the Travel Guys. Start spreading the news. With the Travel Guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations here every Sunday, 3 to 4. Tell your friends. Also visit TravelGuysRadio.com to follow along with um, the program and links to our guests as well. And if you're a brand new Travel Guys listener for the first time, well, thank you so much for running across us and for you regular listeners if you didn't know you can take us with us take us with you wherever you go with uh, the iHeartRadio app you know, on your smart device uh-huh. that you're protecting very carefully since we gave you advice on how to do so all right mark uh off to new york you like as we talked a lot of folks go to new york everybody goes there to so a lot of people go for the same reason broadway and such and others uh, for other reasons so Make us smarter travelers uh, in regards to heading to the Big Apple. Well, New York is such an incredibly popular destination with travelers, and it's on probably for, for it's on more bucket lists, particularly for travelers from the West Coast. Um, if if there's one major destination they haven't made it to on the East Coast, it's always Washington D.C. or New York City. And when you go to New York City, there are some things that really you need to know that I can't teach you in ten minutes, but I can share some information that might help put you in the right direction. And if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you will find a couple of selected links to New York tourism entities and of course if you start running around online you can find more stuff than carter has liver pills be careful though because when you pull up something on google remember some of those early listings are ads so be careful that you get past the ads mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. really get down to because otherwise you're going to be paying fees and, and jumping through a lot of hoops that you don't need to especially when you're just doing your homework okay new york um how to get there 
Um, obviously, you can take a train, which will take you forever. You can take a bus. You can drive. Um, you could probably bicycle. But basically, people <laughs> from the West Coast are going to take a plane. Um, so the decision becomes, do I get up before the sun and the chickens um, and take the 515 to Denver or one of the various 6 a.m. flights that will get me on my way to New York City, arriving in New York eh, in the 3 to 5 o'clock neighborhood? Or do I take a later flight in the day, maybe an early afternoon flight, which gets me into New York late at night? Uh, New York City is one of those cities that is incredibly expensive. And as our old buddy Ed Perkins taught us many years ago on The Travel Guys, how to take your vacation and break down the number of actual hours, waking hours you have in a city, divide it by the amount of money that you spend to get there, and that tells you how much per hour each hour is worth. And I'm going to suggest in New York, you're going to find that each hour is worth 50, 60, 100 bucks to you, depending on where you're staying and how much stuff you're doing. So time is valuable. I suggest that you get up and take the early flight. And I suggest that you come home on a flight at least middle of the day so you can maybe squeeze one more attraction in. Now, mm -hmm. be careful with New York airports leaving too late in the day because if the weather goes bad or anything happens, they don't have a lot of margin for error. Things tend to get backed up. There is a nonstop uh, back from Kennedy on JetBlue in the evenings and a nonstop from United. Uh, from Newark in the evenings. So each one of those, you wouldn't have a connection. And even if your flight was delayed, you at least would, wouldn't have to worry about missing a connection to get home. And with that being said, uh, and you probably are going to get to this, but I'm jumping in anyway. Okay. Best time of the year, when you're talking about weather and getting out of New York and getting home and so forth. Oh. Best time of the year to uh, visit New York. How interesting. Um, how about we start with the worst time of the year to visit New York right now? <laughs> um, hot. Yeah. Humid. The city has a lot of smells that come up in the summertime that don't come up in the wintertime. Um, it, it's not as and there are a lot of tourists in the summertime and the prices are not that much discounted. So it, it's it's really not the best time to go. I would say spring or fall best mm -hmm. time. Um, winter, you can get some good rates. If you're going to see Broadway, if, if you're uh, one of the things I was going to talk about here is um, what you what to see do you have a focus are you going to museums you're going for broadway shows are you a real theater fanatic then you're going to see off broadway shows because there are so many mm -hmm. and that's the only place that you can see that many you know not quite on the top or off off broadway truly semi-professional um actors and actresses um so if your trip has a focus and it's museums in broadway then i will suggest you you can go almost any time of the year so pick a time when, uh, right after Labor Day, uh, right after the first of the year, those are times when hotel rates are, in, are, are at their lowest. So if you're going to be doing a lot of indoor stuff, mm -hmm. if you plan on doing a lot of outdoor stuff when you're in New York City and surroundings, why then you have to be a little bit more sensitive to the weather. But remember, um, getting around in New York, never, ever, ever rent a car. If there's one thing that I could tell you, if you're going to New York City... Never rent a car. Never, ever, ever, ever rent a car. Okay. Because, first of all, if you've never driven in New York City, and even if you have, I mean, I travel, travel around with professional motor coach drivers who drive there all the time, and they get frustrated. But, and they have a 45-foot vehicle with which to bully people. Um, think about <laughs> you and your rental car and your, all these one-way streets. There are a lot of... A lot of repaired potholes and a lot of streets with divots and things that can be hazards. You, it, there are pedestrians who walk across the street on red lights at every corner. Uh, so there are a lot of things that you have to be aware of 
uh, when you're so don't you don't want the extra response. Plus, you're on vacation. Um, there's no place to park. Par- parking at the Marriott Marquis Hotel is $75 a day for Holy a car. Holy cow. Uber, Lyft, uh, yes. taxi. Taxi. I uh, One city that I recommend taxis, there aren't as many as there used to be because of the Uber, Lyft thing, but taxis in New York City, um, when you see a taxi and the light on top of the, the cab mm-hmm. is on, that means it's available. Okay. Um, and when you're hailing a cab in New York City, don't be afraid to get a step or two out into the street and wave your hand and let the taxi cab driver know. Just like in the movies. Just like in the movies. Because if you stand on the curb and raise your hand at 10 o'clock, they're going to think you're you're waving to somebody across the street. So, Got it. Um, definitely ride share or, or taxi. We talked about a little bit about the value of time uh, in New York. One of the most efficient ways to get around really is the subway. So, again renting a car versus the subway and getting there quickly. The subway trains run frequently. Uh, You can get there really easily. How do you decide what part of town to stay? Is it based on what it is that you want to see? Excellent question. Um, A little bit, but uh, Times Square is going to be more pricey. Uh, The east side's going to be a little cheaper. You could stay in New Jersey and take a ferry boat. You could stay downtown, which is where Wall Street is. There are several outlying areas. Brooklyn would be another one, not as cheap as it used to be. Uh, if you've never been to New York before and it's on your bucket list and you can afford it, get a Times Square hotel uh, because the convenience will be and the excitement of being in Times Square is a plus. Be very careful. A lot of brand names uh, have built hotels in the Times Square area and they're shoebox hotels in the last few years. They're not the normal Hilton Garden Inn, Hampton, Courtyard prop four points property that you're used to Mm -hmm. they've been built in a space and in a way that makes them very different so really 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 do your homework and be very careful in new york about those third-party sites where you don't find out the brand of the hotel till afterwards because there are some really crappy hotels in new york so do your homework the the place to get a bargain isn't necessarily on your hotel room the place to get a bargain is on your theater ticket if you don't have if you're not particular about seeing the show that just opened last week and you just want to see a great Broadway show, get in the line at the TKTS booth. It's right on Broadway. Um, They also have one downtown. They may even have an online function now. Uh, They sell tickets for half price or 25% off at a sizable discount for that day's shows. They're not available until four or five hours beforehand. So so buying in advance isn't necessarily a, a, a the smartest way to go. If you're flexible, if you want a particular show, then you've got to buy your ticket in advance. But if you just want to go to New York, you could stand in the half price line for four or five nights in a row and see a different show. And sometimes you're going to get great seats because sometimes they turn house seats back an hour before the show and you get some amazing. So, I mean, some things happen that and sometimes you're in the last row in the back, but at least you paid a great price. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way to um, to save a few bucks. Um, the Statue of Liberty, the cruise out there is only about 20 bucks. Uh, it's free. Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island, you can spend half a day. Heck, you can spend a whole day out there if you're a history buff. United Nations is a great tour for about $25. They have a dining room that you can eat in there. Uh, Circle Line it takes you around the entire island. Uh, that's a great tour. It's, it's a cheap price. You get to see sightsee around the whole island, see things from an angle you might not get to. The uh, ferry boat that goes out to, uh, help me here, to the Staten Island ferry um, is free. 
So you could ride the ferry boat out to Staten Island, and there isn't as much to do out there, but there are fun things to do out there. There's a minor league baseball team plays out there. you got Coney Island. You can walk the boardwalk for free. So there are a lot of things in New York that you can do that don't cost you a fortune, but uh, and you can do your homework and find zillions more if you've got a few bucks to spend. Awesome. Wow. Uh, we got quite a bit in there in uh, 10 minutes, Mark. Uh, I appreciate it, uh, and I know our listeners do too. Now, I am one of those... That even, you know, as long as I've lived, I just haven't made it that far away from home. And so uh, I, I've been making, I've been taking notes, and I'll go to TravelGuysRadio.com and, and check out the links. Uh, well, that's about does it for another edition of the Travel Guys. I hope we uh, entertained you and made you a little smarter traveler. Mark? We'll see you next week. Remember, dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. We'll see you next time.